0: If you'll please take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 22. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 21 this morning. And again, we're continuing in our Advent season as we're looking from Advent, the first Advent, to the second Advent. And we've looked at where Jesus came the first time to Bethlehem, but comes the second time to the Mount of Olives, how we look from the angels singing peace on earth to coming to the hallelujah chorus and the the second coming. And then last week we looked at um, where Jesus comes as a suffering uh, child, infant, lowly, to the conquering king. And so this morning we're looking at um, the promise that he gives to Simeon, and then the fulfillment that we find in Revelation chapter 22. So again, this kind of gives us word pictures, Revelation gives us word pictures about what we should do and look for in regards to the second coming. And so I have the opportunity uh, many times to be a part of weddings. And so um, I get the, the picture of the groom looking towards his bride as she comes through the doors that get opened and he sees her many times for the first time or those special moments. Um, but it's also the sense of where the, the bride comes in and she's not looking at her dress, she's looking at her husband. And so we have to make sure that we kind of take it back to the understanding of where it was the first time because again um, the way it was back in the days of Christ as the marriage things were the covenant of marriage was made in a year before usually at least a year before and so the 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 husband would go and he would create the home, his room within the father's house. But it was only when the father said it was time to go and to gather his bride that he was allowed to leave. And then he would go in the processional and they would go to grab the um, the bride with her matrons of honor. And we've heard that and we've heard this about the foolish women who didn't have enough oil. So again, you have this understanding that it, this is ushering back in and then they would bring the whole wedding party to the ceremony and so we have to have that kind of a picture because what's being promised is that when Jesus came the first time to bring about he said I'm going to be married to my bride the church but then he says I'm going to go back to my father's house and prepare a place for you and when God says it's okay for Jesus to come back he's going to come back and he's going to take the bride and he's going to she's going to take him to the wedding supper of the lamb And so I want you to understand this is the picture that we're looking forward back to, but we're also looking forward to Jesus' second coming. So with that in mind, let's go to Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 through 21. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. And blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. For I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that, for I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. And so let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. For behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. For I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And blessed are those who wash their robes, so they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates." For outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. For I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things. For the churches, I am the roots and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. And then the Spirit and the bride said, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. And let the Spirit, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. For I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. For he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, these are your words given to us by you for our edification, for our teaching, and to change us to look more like our Savior. So, Father, please allow the Holy Spirit to move to give us eyes to see and hearts to understand the truths of your scripture. Lord, again, that they might make deep roots into our hearts, that we would never stray from them or bring shame upon you for momentary pleasures or to live our own way. But Father, that we would give our lives as as an offering to you, all of us, So that you might be glorified and honored in all the things that we do, we think, and that we say. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So first you have the promise, the promise of God. And so God had promised to the prophet Simeon. And this promise was something that was given to him by the Holy Spirit And so, again, we need to make sure that we recognize that um, because he was a prophet, God spoke to him very uniquely. And as he spoke to him uniquely, he gave him this promise that Simeon would not see death until he got to see the Christ child. Now, again, does that mean that that is how God's going to speak to us if we begin to ask him and pray, God, please allow us to stay uh, living until he comes again, that's typically not how God speaks to us. There is a leading of the Holy Spirit, but God speaks to us through his word, and the Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts. And so we know what his will is, but there's a sense in which we are led by the Spirit. There are things that God allows us to do, but Simeon had something very special as a prophet. And so God allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to him in such a way to let him know that he would not die until he saw the, the, the Messiah, the Christ, to come. And so as he had this, this promise to him, he then is led, it says, by the Spirit on that certain day. And again, Mary would have had to take um, for purification rites, gone specifically on a specific day. And we'll know this as we see a little bit later in regards to Leviticus. And so Mary's taking the child up, but God allows the Holy Spirit to move Simeon to go to the temple on that day. He leads him to the very child so that he knew as soon as he saw Jesus that this was the one who was to be the Christ. And so with this promise, he then begins to open up uh, this, uh, this prophecy that he gives and he says, this is to be a light of revelation And so again, he picks Jesus up in his arms and he says, this is to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now again, this is kind of unheard of at this moment because again, the Messiah was looked for for the people of God. And so the Israelites were been saying, hey, this isn't right. Jesus is supposed to come for us. He's supposed to be taking care of things for us. He's supposed to be removing the hand of Rome from us. And so when Simeon gives us a prophecy and he says that he's coming to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles, he's opening up to the whole world. And that's a good thing because most of us who are sitting here, you are Gentiles. Now I'm a mixture. I'm a mutt. So I have the Jewish background and I have a Gentile background. So I'm worse So, we have this understanding that again, God comes to bring light, listen, in the midst of our darkest days. And so, He comes as a light to the Gentiles, but it says He's supposed to bring glory to Israel. Now, the understanding here is He's bringing comfort. Because, again, most of the time when God's people uh, disobeyed and they went back and they did the thing, remember God allows these different countries to come in and to take the people of God away and he puts them into exile. And he says, there's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be a, an opportunity for people to come back. And so we, we all the time, if, if we're honest, we're always seeing our hearts stray from God. Maybe even, you know, within this season, we find ourselves taking our focus off of where it needs to be, and we begin to put it on things that don't matter in the big course of things. It becomes about presence, it becomes about parties, it becomes about all these other things, and yet we're supposed to have the comfort of Christ come to us. That is to be where our focus is, that's where our desire is. And so it says he brings the comfort of Israel so that we may therefore face death with peace. And so this is what Simeon's saying. He's saying, Now I can go and die. And it doesn't say he dies at that moment, it doesn't say that he dies that night. We don't know if he lives for a long time afterwards. But he understands now that the Christ has come, there's no more need for any extra sacrifices because Christ becomes that one perfect sacrifice for him. And so he doesn't have to fear dying anymore. He has the peace and comfort from God alone. And so he gives us this understanding. Now, again, um, as I was doing this study, I came upon this um, word from one of the the pastors. It is uh, Stolperstein. I don't know if that's correct in my pronunciation. Well, I have my German people here today. Um, So the understanding, though, is in Germany, there's a man who is going around who's taking and he makes these stones, okay, one stone, one name, one person. And what it is, it's the Holocaust people at their last known address. And so what he does is he takes a stone in front of that house and he lifts it up three inches and it becomes a stone of stumbling, So if you're walking around Germany and you hit one of these stones of stumbling, it has, if you look down, and that's the point, is you look down and you see the name of the person who was taken away during the Holocaust so that they would never, ever be forgotten. God allows Jesus to become that stumbling block to us. He's the one that when we hit him, he's the one who exposes our hearts. He's the one who allows us to take our, our minds and our focus off of things that are out there and don't matter to things that do. And he makes us take a pause and he gives us Hope. And so as we go through this Advent season, we remind ourselves of the stones that were laid before us. And maybe it's a time for us to remember the things and the promises that God had given. But we also look forward to the day where Christ will fulfill them. And so this is where we come to where Jesus becomes the Messiah. Now again, we should ask ourselves, why the name Jesus? Obviously, he's given many names and titles throughout the Bible. He's known as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We found that out last week. He is the, um, the government that should be upon his, his shoulders. He's wonderful, counselor, almighty God. He has all these names. So why does God give him the name Jesus? Well, Jesus means this. God saves. See, he knew that we could not save ourselves, and so he gives to us the one who is the Lord, who is salvation. And as he gives us Jesus from the very beginning here, even in the the moment that Mary takes Jesus in for purification, he's already fulfilling the law because it is essential for Jesus to be purified and to have his life devoted unto Christ. Why? Because that's what the law demanded. Because if he doesn't fulfill the law of Moses in active obedience, then he can't be the savior. And so already we're seeing him fulfill the law's demands that God has laid upon him. He's also a part of humiliation. How do we know that? Well, back in Leviticus chapter 12, it tells us very clearly that you're supposed to bring a lamb. And this is the whole chapter in Leviticus chapter 12 is the purification after childbirth. And it says you're supposed to bring a lamb to redeem unless you were poor. And then you brought two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And then the priest will make atonement. So we know that Jesus was humiliated. He was someone who was very um, poor. And so Jesus comes from being the King of kings and the Lord of lords and having everything under his dominion to come and he humiliates himself. He humbles himself. And we know that even to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that he might take our place, so that we are the ones who are not humiliated. And then he gives to us hope. He looks forward to the day where he says, now I will fulfill everything that I have promised you. And he does that with Revelation chapter 22. So Jesus in Revelation chapter 22 says this to us. He says, we are in the last days. Now this is done for encouragement to us. It's done for the encouragement of the church. It's done for the encouragement for us because we look at the world, right? And we look and say, it doesn't seem very nice out there. It doesn't seem like Christ is coming back very soon. So how do you answer that? How do you look with um, joy and expectation when you kind of, every day you kind of go out and you still have the same junky car? You still go to the same job over and over and over again. You still have the same taxes to pay. You still have neighbors whose dogs do things in your yard you don't want to. It's just overwhelming. And God comes to us and he says, be encouraged because the time is now. And we know this because, listen, the next event on his calendar is the second coming. See, Jesus came as an incarnation he lived a perfect life, he dies is resurrected, he gives the holy spirit at pentecost, the only thing left is his second coming. And so the time is now, he can come back at any time. The question for us is will we be ready? And so John has been listening to all this, he's seen heaven open up to him, he's seen the in times and so he's he's getting excited. And I know we're tired. I know we're Presbyterians, but this should make you a little bit Pentecostal. You should want to stand up here and dance a little bit. If you saw the things that John saw, if you saw heaven opened up, if you got to see the things that are about to happen, you'd be overwhelmed with worship and praise. And that's what happens to John. And he's overwhelmed so much that he begins to bow down to the angel that shows him. He's so overwhelmed with the things of God that he's willing to worship something that is false. And the angel says, get up. Don't worship me. The only one that you can worship is God alone but that's what he drives us to, the sense of worship where we are so overwhelmed with the understanding of who God is and what heaven will be when he comes and he gets to be our God and we get to see him and we speak to him face to face where we get to be with him for everlasting to everlasting. And that's our hope. That's our desire. That's our advent that we might see him And fall down and worship him with our whole heart and our mind and soul. And so as he worships him, then what Jesus tells us is that we're supposed to come with recompense. And the recompense is where he starts to talk about allowing the evil to still remain evil. So there is evil and there's the filthy And he says this will still continue to go on and those who find themselves in the midst of that where they're being unfaithful will remain outside the gates. But there's also the sense where he says to the faithful, let those who are righteous and holy, may they come, may they have access to the tree of life. And so again, we have this opportunity where again, we get to come and we get to be in the presence of God. But he also says to those who are evil, they will be cut off. They're not gonna know the peace. They're not gonna know the joy of what it means to be in the presence of God. They're gonna be cut off. And all they'll know is the wrath. And Jesus says, we are the ones who need to decide where we are. He comes to us and he's opened up heaven and earth so that we might see, so that we might desire to be there and to worship him so that we might have the access to the tree of life because we don't want Jesus to see us. We want God to see Jesus and him alone. And then how do we do this? What is the mission that God gives to us well, he tells us we're supposed to do this until the last day. Listen, in this passage, he's still sending, he's still saying, come. Come. When Jesus went to the Lord's Supper on the last day that he was here, where he, he established from the Passover to the Lord's Supper, who does he allow lay upon him? Judas. He allows the one who was, who was not a part of, To be as close to him in the position of honor. God is saying to us, come. Even to the last day, we have no idea people's hearts. But we do know that we're called to preach the gospel every day to ourselves and to everyone else. And so he's calling us to present ourselves to go out and to preach the gospel because the last day is here. And so it sort of allows us to have our present identity. And what does that mean? It means we have an intimate relationship with God, and so we continue to grow in our love and understanding of who he is. And again, if you're not growing in your love for God, then you might not know him. Now, I know that might be shocking to some of you. And again, for me, when I was growing up, I, th- I thought I had it. You know, I was the good Uh, Easter and Christmas Christian. I went to church at the right times. But the first time that my youth pastor said, What's God doing in your life? I said, He's not doing anything. He's like, I'm not sure you're a Christian. Well, wait a minute. I know that Jesus died on the cross. I know that Jesus was raised from the dead. I know that Jesus came to save people. That's not enough. Satan believes that and trembles. And so, if you're not growing in your love and devotion and understanding of who God is, if He's not getting bigger to you every day, if you're not falling deeper and deeper in love with Him every day, then you might need to wake up and question yourself and say, Am I a Christian? Because the more that we begin to open ourselves to who God is, the more that he begins to change us, then the more intimate we become with other people. Which means there's not one person in this room that you can hate. There's not one person in this room that you cannot, um, that you should never ever say, I can't be around that person. Why? Why? Because the love of Christ so changes our hearts and changes our minds that again, it changes our attitude to those around us. Who's the problem in this world? I am. You are. I was talking to a a friend and I was talking about trying to go fishing um, sometime with him. And he said, he said this statement to me, a true statement. He said, um, Well, I had to carry the conversation 90% of the time last time. I said, I answered any question you asked of me. I said, I want to go fishing. He said, well, maybe we'll take someone else with us. That's okay. Introverts, you have to get out of your comfort zone. Don't believe me? Robin Ferguson tells me all the time. Jeffrey, go meet new people. I don't want to meet new people. I don't. Jeffrey, go talk to this person. Introverts, get out of your chair. Go meet someone new this morning before you leave. Talk to them. Extroverts, back off. Allow the people to come to you. And be nice to them. Don't smother them. But again, we're called to be family. And not a dysfunctional family. And that's easy to to pass it off. We all have problems. True. But who's praying? We, We get to see the Havels here this morning. Who's praying for Sue and her sister who's continually dealing with stuff? Who is praying for Sally as she's up in Connecticut? Who is praying for Roland and Tanny as she continues to walk through these struggles? Who's praying for um, people who are traveling this season and you know who they are? How are you the church? Because we're gonna be stuck together. Listen, we're stuck together for eternity. And that's a good thing. And so again, we grow in our love and our understanding of who God is and we begin to grow with one another and we're called to continually become the people that we're meant to be. We're continually called to be like Jesus. And Jesus wept for the people. And so he tells us to come and to pray. That's how he ends the passage. Do you understand that? That's how he ends the book pray come Lord Jesus come I hope that's the prayer I hope this Advent season you're looking back to remember but forward to where Christ comes again so that we might be with him forevermore amen amen let's pray Heavenly Father, again, we're so grateful for the first advent and for you coming as the Christ child, lowly in a manger, to a little town of Bethlehem. We're glad that you opened the eyes of the shepherds to see your glory, to have the angels speak of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But Father, we know that you came to suffer. We're so grateful that you lived a perfect life, that you take our sin and penalty upon you. But you didn't stay on the cross, and you didn't stay in the tomb. For you were raised from the dead, and you're alive, and you're well. So Father, you're just waiting for the day to tell Jesus to come back and to get his bride. Where he will come and grab us and take us to the wedding feast. And we will have the greatest party in all of the universe. And not because of the food and not because of the dress, but because we're with our Savior forevermore. So Father, allow us to live as become your followers, growing deeper in love with you every day, but deeper in love with our brothers and sisters around us. And then, Father, call us to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to set captives free. And, Father, please make us look more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, than when we came. For we pray all this in his name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.